Howdy, y'all. This is Can Man, and welcome back to the Dysfunctional Woodworker, a variety show about woodworking, life with a chronic illness, and ramblings of an old dude that may or may not be one toy shy of a happy meal. <laughs> I am so terrified, yeah, excited that you joined in for this first full episode. What is the Dysfunctional Woodworker? In this train wreck, we're going to hop into the Wayback Machine and take a trip to a long-gone era, and then fast forward to the current date. After that's all been splattered by the fan, I'm going to address the use of Craig screws, and not just for pocket holes. Right off the bat, I have to let you all know, as if it weren't already blatantly obvious, (laughs) that I know less than nothing about podcasts. Like, seriously. (laughs) Some of that is plain in my trailer when I tell folks they can listen on their favorite platform, and then I tell them to go to anchor.com slash canman. I'm still not sure how all this works, but I am learning, and I'd be really grateful for your patience while I discover the ins and outs of this whole podcast thing. Now, I promise to try and keep this as condensed as I can, but I want y'all to know who it is that's talking to you. Trust me, that's going to come in handy in future podcasts. Now, all that said, let's get this bus rolling. You, in the back, quit throwing spitballs and sit down. Ah, these kids. Buy them books, put them through school. All they do is bite the erasers off the pencils. Anyway... Uh, a long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away... No, wait, that's something else. No. Okay, let's let's go to the very beginning. My name is Don, <laughs> but I'm also known as Can Man. Um, uh, what's he look like? Well, I stand about six feet tall, and depending on the day, I weigh in somewhere 260, 275. Normally, I have a shaved head, but that's because receding hairlines suck. (laughs) And I've got a mustache and a goatee that started out as black, but that was many moons ago, and now they're going gray. I've got one giant tattoo. It's just spread out all over my body, and there's a lot of blank canvas in it. (laughs) Now, I'm not going to tell you all my exact age, but I will give you some hints. I was born... Before Google, even before the internet, for before personal computers, for that matter. Heck, we hadn't even landed on the moon yet. <laughs> Shoot, I'm so old, I can remember when the Dead Sea was just not feeling well. But <laughs> on the serious side, now I was born in a tiny backwater town in northwest Pennsylvania. My family moved around a lot. I was constantly changing schools and never really did settle down in one particular spot until I arrived where I'm at now, and that was back in 2010, I believe. Yeah, I think this is the longest I've ever lived in one place. Now, during all those moves, both with my family and on my own, I've lived in places with populations as low as 900 and as high as over a million and a half people. 
<laughs> my housing has run the gambit from living in my truck to owning a really sweet four-bedroom, two-bath ranch-style home. I've been down to just having the clothes on my back and my truck, and I've also lived comfortably with all the vehicles and toys. Now, as best I can recall, and I'll address my memory, memory, bleh, speech therapy's helping, I just have to keep going. As, as best I can recall, uh, except for a couple brief stints that didn't really pan out, I've always worked blue or no-collar jobs, starting in my mid-teens, actually. And just some of them were, uh, let's see, I was a sanitation engineer, um, you can also call that a dishwasher, but it doesn't sound as glamorous. Uh, I was a truck driver. I was a bonds collection agent for a while. Uh, most people call them bounty hunters. I was a cable technician. I worked in construction. I was a tattoo artist. Had my own studio for a stint. I, uh, I was a professional photographer for a time. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I worked as a towing and recovery truck driver, and I was also an ASE certified auto technician. Uh, my last real job job was in, I believe it was 2007, 2008. I was working as an auto techs, tech excuse me, in Phoenix, Arizona. Now, I'm sure that there's more, but now I'm retired or disabled, if you will, and a hobby woodworker. Uh, personal life, I've had three strikes at marriage, so I'm out. I've set that dream aside and opted to move forward on my own, unless something drastic changes my mind anyway. And now all that stuff is relevant to a point, but this next segment is pretty important, and it'll explain parts of future podcasts, and that's my so-called, quote, disability. Right off the bat, I, I don't like the fact that it's called a disability or saying that I'm disabled because it kind of makes me feel like I'm, I don't know, less than, you know, or, or not as good as, say, someone else. Sometimes I do refer to it as being differently abled, but to be 100% with you, it really doesn't make it feel any different. Not in my mind, anyway. So, back in 2007, I got a disorder that's called Complex Regional Pain Syndrome. It's abbreviated CRPS. It's also called Reflex Sympathetic Dystrophy, or RSD. Actually, there's, there are over a hundred different names and terminology for this condition. The ones I mentioned are just the two most recent and most commonly used. Others are uh, Casalgia, uh, RSDS, where they just added the word, the word uh, syndrome at the end of RSD. Um, pseudix atrophy, there's, there's just too many to list. And oddly enough, there are even more if you go uh, to different regions of the world. They have additional names for it. <clears throat> now, without getting too in-depth, uh, 
promise I'm going to do my best at that because I could go on and on for hours about this, but I won't. I promise I won't. Don't hit that button yet. It is a multiple symptom disorder, um, primarily characterized by severe pain, um, actual pathological changes of the bones, the joints, and skin, um, excessive sweating, tissue swelling, and uh, hypersensitivity to touch. Okay. Normal symptoms are a constant extreme burning or freezing pain that is way out of proportion to the original injury and extreme color and temperature changes of the skin in the affected area. Um, there's, a, there's a scale that doctors use to measure pain. It's called the McGill Pain Index. Okay? And, <clears throat> excuse me, CRPS actually ranks at the top. There are none over it. It is ranked as, it is the most painful chronic pain condition in the world, and they uh, people often refer to it as the suicide disease because normally CRPS will not kill you, but there are many people, unfortunately, that take their own lives just to escape the pain. I personally have known three people that took that route. Now, I say it won't normally kill you because the disease itself doesn't. But it can, however, cause other conditions that can be deadly. And it does this because of the changes that can occur to your organs. Now, again, I'm not going to get too deep with this. Um, it can go on and on, and I'm sure that's not why y'all are here. So I'm going to recommend, please, 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 Check out either burningnightscrps.org or rsds.org. Those two sites both have a just a wealth of information um, on this animal that unfortunately too many people have to live with every day. Now, I will touch briefly on just a couple more things on this subject, then we'll move on, I promise. It, it can be caused by something as minor as a mosquito bite. In my particular case, there was no initial injury of any kind. It just popped in and started spreading. And it started as a silver dollar-sized spot on my upper right thigh. At this point, it's now got my entire right leg um, from, from toe to hip uh, across the buttocks. Uh, it's got the back of my left leg, both shoulders, and in spots of my right hand. It makes it really hard to diagnose because there is no test that can positively diagnose it like you can't go you know give blood and then they get the results back and oh yeah you've got CRPS it doesn't work that way uh, but if it is accurately diagnosed within six months of its onset there's a really good chance of remission mine unfortunately went the way of many other patients and it wasn't diagnosed for several years 
by that time it hung up a picture of its mother and made itself at home. Um, and what a freeloader it is too. Man. It doesn't it doesn't even pay rent. I'm telling you. But anyway, I'm gonna be straight up with y'all now and always. Having CRPS really sucks. I mean, it does. But at the same time, I've accepted it. I've had my share of living, both good and bad. So I'm just living with it as best I can, day to day, and trying to actually live as opposed to simply surviving. You know, sitting around doing nothing, not having any purpose. Um, that That's just not me I don't want to do that and I'm I'm actually hoping that uh, part of what this podcast will accomplish is to show others that it is possible to do more than just survive right um what really really hurts my heart though is knowing that there are children out there suffering with it not only that they're experiencing the extreme pain, but they're often thought to just be seeking attention when it first hits them because there's nothing that really stands out and says, hey, this is CRPS. So just like most other people, they're often misdiagnosed and they rarely get the proper therapy before it's set in. They, sorry. They haven't even had a chance to live yet, to love, to, to experience everything that life has to offer. And that just kills me. It, at any rate, um, so I, I do mention CRPS quite often. Um, sometimes I call it RSD since it's the same thing, just by a different name. But I try and throw it out there just so people will know about it and, and ask about it. I try to help spread awareness. There's a really good chance you have never even heard of it or knew it existed until just now. And I've just got to get this out there because it is not a rare condition. It's not like, you know, one in 10 million people might get this. I don't know the statistics. I haven't looked them up. But it is not rare. There are a lot of people out there living with this monster. Now, in the month of November, y'all need to be aware, November is CRPS Awareness Month. So you're probably going to hear more about it in November from me. Um, But I promise you, you know, not every podcast is going to be all about CRPS in November. I promise, I promise. (laughs) Now, to wrap up the CRPS talk, I would like to mention some of the benefits or, well, okay, the effects, (laughs) some of the effects of living with it. Um, Memory loss, both long and short term. And I'm not talking about, you know, where do I put my car keys or I can't find my glasses because there is some memory loss that comes with time, some People have memory memory loss like they've always been like that. This is like, uh, well, the one that I like to relate to people. I, I used to have a large flock of chickens, and I went out to make dinner one night, 
and I thought, well, I'm going to make a, um, a fried egg sandwich. And I opened the refrigerator and looked and looked, not a single egg. So I had a bowl of cereal. Well, the next day, I woke up, I went out, I opened the refrigerator to get my coffee creamer. Man, I had like four dozen eggs in there. I better, I better do something with them before they go bad. It wasn't that I was blind and didn't see them. I couldn't remember at that particular time, what's an egg? Just another example, I was an ASC certified auto technician. My dad was a master technician. I've been around and worked on cars all my life. And a vehicle that I recently got, excuse me, I had to ask my brother-in-law how to check the transmission fluid because I didn't know where to check it or how or how to add it. Yeah. So, I'm talking serious memory loss. Now, sometimes I do get flashbacks of things. Sometimes I will remember certain parts of, uh, like, say, auto repair. I might remember how to take something off or put something on or check something. Um, But generally speaking, that knowledge is just gone something I've had all my life. Anyway, another uh, side effect, rather, is uh, irritability, Uh, like flip of a light switch. One second, you're happy, shiny, bursting with love. The next second, you want to give somebody a high five in the face with a brick twice. It just happens. Depression, anxiety, um, lack of blood circulation, voice changes. You guys will probably notice that over time. My voice will change from one podcast to the next. Um, Dental problems, vision problems, digestion problems. Um, Your hair and nails get brittle. Uh, Things that couldn't, pardon me, things that shouldn't cause extreme pain do, like getting a shower. Eight out of ten times when I try to get in the shower, it feels, and it doesn't matter the temperature of the water or the pressure of the water, but when it hits one of my affected limbs, it feels like boiling acid running down that limb. It just is. Um, Even in the summertime, sitting in the lazy boy underneath the ceiling fan, no got to shut that ceiling fan off because that gentle breeze coming from the ceiling fan is super painful. Uh, Certain sounds will make it act up, uh, muscle wasting, tremors, I have tremors bad sometimes, Um, bone mass reduction, osteoporosis, osteoarthritis, cognitive thinking issues and there's there's just too many more the list goes on and on and on and on but knowing these will better explain some of the things that I may mention in future podcasts now I've been medical gin- guinea pig I've had the spinal stimulator implants that have failed I 
had the morphine pump implant that collapsed a lung. I've had more than a dozen epidurals that never numbed any part of my body and have, at some point, taken every medicine for nerve or regular pain, with the exception of ketamine, because apparently I have an allergy to it. Now, I've gotten away from all of them except one. That one is all I use on really bad days or sometimes to try and help me sleep, which in itself is rather pointless because I never enter REM sleep, as the multiple sleep tests have shown. Uh, My brain never rests because the pain itself is constant. It never stops, thus it never lets the brain stop. And that, in turn, is one of the causes of memory loss. People often ask me, you know, what does it feel like? And I, I just tell them like this. I said, okay, coat your leg with a mix of roofing tar and kerosene, okay? Light it on fire. Now go about your day. Don't ever let it go out. Not when you're showering, not when you're trying to sleep, not when you're shopping, driving, anything. Never let that fire go out. And and this might be a little difficult to comprehend. When you're, uh, you know, when your leg falls asleep, you sit a certain way for too long, and your your whole leg gets that pins and needles tingling. Mix that in with the burning, and that's. That's pretty much what it feels like 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. It does not stop. Now, that's, that is what it's really like. And because the pain signals from the CRPS are the same ones that would be there if somebody was actually being burned... It's super intense all the time, and that's one reason why people with CRPS sweat a lot, because it feels to the rest of our body like my leg is affected, right? Sitting here recording this, I can feel the heat rising from my leg, going up my chest and under my chin and up my face, just as if I were standing you know, like by a bonfire roasting marshmallows or something. I feel that heat, even though it's not actually there. My brain tells me it is, so therefore, I feel it. Gotta love that. Uh, <laughs> now, before, before anybody asks, yes, my doctors and I have discussed amputation at length. And we've opted out for several factors. Although we haven't found it yet, the piece of a nerve fiber that's causing all this is not in the affected leg. They've, they've narrowed it down to somewhere above, uh, like, the bottom of my rib, rib cage and up. But that's as close as we can get to finding it. Um... So, first of all, the the cause isn't in the leg, but if we take the leg off, I could still have phantom pain, feeling like the leg's still there and still burning, even though it's not. And also, as with any procedure, even, I don't know, even as minor as a blood draw, 
the CRPS could worsen and spread even more throughout the body. So, yeah, I'm not going to go there. Now, I laid all that out there for y'all so that you would understand why I'm in my current situation, uh, unable to get a job job, living on disability and doing woodwork as best I can to not only, excuse me, not only to help span that financial gap, but it also gives me a sense of purpose, a sense of value, and a feeling of accomplishment. I found that it is very good for me mentally and emotionally as well as physically because nobody wants to just sit around on the couch high on all of these medications and drooling on themselves. Well, okay, some people might enjoy that, but that is not how I want to go through my life. <laughs> um, so, y'all should also know that I am very, very strong in my faith in God. Now, he's kept me from being another CRPS suicide statistic, and it's his strength that gets me through every minute of every day, because if it was my strength alone, I would have checked out a long time ago, believe me. And don't get the wrong idea, I'm no Bible thumper, I'm not going to be trying to shove hellfire and damnation down anyone's throat, but I love God, and I will often speak of Him, His blessings, and more. So that's just a little heads up for y'all. Now, to cap off the About Me portion of the show, I just figured I'd throw a few random factoids out there. All right, y'all ready for this? I spleet. <laughs> How good is that that I messed up on the word speak? <laughs> Let me try this again. I speak fluent sarcasm, <laughs> but I don't always get it. Sometimes it goes by me when somebody else uses it, but I speak it pretty well. Uh, my blood type is coffee. Well, and sometimes tequila. I crack me up, like a lot, but that's primarily because I'm the only one that's ever here, so I I have conversations with myself quite often. I am, for the most part, a hermit. I'd say about 95% of my interaction with others is web-based. The other 5% is split up between trips to the store, visiting family, or with a couple select friends, if I'm able to go to visit them. Uh, Let's see, what else? Oh, my toes are double-jointed. There's an interesting point. (laughs) I, uh, I test gravity, and often, just to make sure it still works, I often test gravity. Uh, and having tremors... Uh, when I shake like a poodle poop in a peach pit, that's not always bad. Like, if you're mixing up spray paint, for example, that can come in really handy. Not so much when you're trying to sip a hot cup of coffee, though. Just a little FYI. Uh, what I usually listen to uh, is uh, Family Life Radio or K-Love, because I love worship music. I own a, uh, a 1962 Chevy Corvair ramp side truck named Baby. 
And just so you know, I named her baby long before Sam and Dean came around in Supernatural, the show that I really like, by the way. Um, I do live alone, unfortunately, after having down to uh, put down my beagle Ike last July 1st, and my chicken Stella was killed by an unknown dog about a week ago out in my backyard. Now, I am not here for, nor do I want, sympathy. I know where it can be found in the dictionary, but I'm not going to say that on my show. (laughs) I'm here in hopes of helping and inspiring and to show that people with, quote, disabilities are just that. They're people. answer the title question, what is the dysfunctional woodworker? Well, it's a couple of things. First, it's me. Uh, Due to occasional difficulties with cognitive thought and what chronic pain warriors refer to as pain brain, and I refer to as brain fog, I often do things in a dysfunctional fashion. Perhaps in an incorrect order, just doing it wrong, or what have you. Like when I'm working on a wood project, for example, I might lay out lines for a design, not realizing that I still have to sand these pieces yet. So I end up laying out the lines all over again after I sand it. And actually, that's the reason for the logo that I designed. It's a dysfunctional chainsaw. (laughs) And it's also the name of my hobby slash business. Place where I can go and I feel, what's the word, relevant perhaps. I feel a sense of purpose where I'm able to see something that I created from pieces of wood and get a sense of pride sometimes helps to make ends meet as well, but the only downside about having it as a business per se is that I rarely actually make a profit. Now, I know that sounds silly because yes, many of my items have sold, and yes, I did make back the material costs, but I work at a much slower pace than most other people. What might take an average woodworker let's say an afternoon to build may take me anywhere from two days to two weeks. So I might end up bringing in a little bit more than the materials cost, but labor costs are nowhere near covered. Shoot, if I even charged $5 an hour, I doubt I'd ever sell anything. So it's rather dysfunctional in itself. But what I don't get in financial returns, I make up for with emotional and mental boosts. And it gives me physical activity to do. So it keeps uh, muscle atrophy and stiffness, things like that, at bay. So 
There you have it. Okay. And now, hey, wake up. It's time for the Craig's Crew information here. <laughs> right off the bat, I want to let y'all know that I am not sponsored by Craig. In fact, the only relationship we have is my love for their product and them taking my money when I buy them. Now, if Craig does want to sponsor me, however, (laughs) just get a hold of me. I'm happy to roll with that. But every woodworker needs to know how important it is to choose the right screw for what you're working on. Okay, there's so many different types out there combined with different head and drive options. It can be super confusing, especially to someone that's just getting started. Today, I'm going to throw out some info about the specially engineered screws available from Craig Tool. These are the go-to screws for most of my projects, even the ones I don't use pocket holes on. One of the reasons that I like them is the square drive head. Though perhaps not as slip resistant as something like a Spax screw, it's certainly better than any Phillips head screw that I've used. I find that especially helpful when I'm installing or removing them in spaces where I just can't get much leverage, you know, to put the pressure on the driver. In fact, on a recent chicken coop build that I did, I was able to drive the screws home into their pocket holes simply by feel while I was working on the underside. Now, the next is their strength. That's, yeah, they are one of the strongest I've used. They're made from case-hardened steel, and although I assume it's possible, I've never had one snap on me, even when removing them from an existing piece that I'm disassembling and saving the screws from. And I've used them both in hard and soft woods. Now, another cool feature is their flat bottom head. If you take a look underneath the head of a, like a common wood screw or a drywall screw, it's a good example, you'll see that it's cone-shaped from the shank to the head. And when you tighten them down, if you haven't drilled a countersink, or if you over-tighten it in a countersink, the cone shape will force the wood outward. Now, this can split the wood or snap the head or both. In fact, snapping the head is a very common effect when using drywall screws on wood projects, which I still do sometimes, I'm going to be honest, but usually only if I run out of Craig screws. <laughs> The flat bottom head combined with a smooth shank above the thread allows you to pull the work together without undue stress pushing outward on the wood. Now if you've drilled a pocket hole or even just used the Craig bit as a countersink, you've already created a little shelf in there that the flat head will rest against to snug everything up. And the last, but certainly not the least of the features that makes me stick with the Craig screws is the self-drilling tip. And when you use it properly, like not getting it too close to the edge of your workpiece, there is very little chance of splitting the wood and you don't need to pre-drill it. Of course, no screw is gonna be a perfect solution for every application, but for my particular work, the Craig screws are spot on for about 98% of it. And when you pick them up, be sure that you get the right type because they do have several options. Uh, the normal one 
that they call maxi lock. It looks, uh, it looks like it's got a small washer under the head, but they also have pan head, which looks like a kind of a squared off head. It doesn't have a little washer, but those work great for tight spaces. And they've got um, a smaller diameter shank, so they work really well in super dense woods. Then you've got to look at the thread type. You got coarse threads for like softwoods, plywoods, OSB, MDF, but then they also have fine thread for things like hardwoods, you know, like oak, cherry, maple. And it's important to note that I've found my personal experience uh, that it is important to choose that right one because if you choose their fine thread and you are trying to pull, let's say, two pieces of pine, you're trying to pull them tight together, that fine thread is not going to grab that pine good enough to give it a good pull. So it is important, at least I think, to make sure that you're picking out the right ones. And they also have three different types of coatings available. They have a, uh, uh, oh come on, what's the word, zinc. They have a zinc coating, which is great for like indoor projects that won't be subjected to much moisture, you know, bookshelves, desks, uh, tables, things like that. Um, probably would not want to use those in locations like the bathroom though not where you know you get out of the shower and you get all the steam and everything for those you probably want to go with either the blue coat or the stainless um now the uh the blue coat is i believe i believe that's the kind they're recommending for pressure treated lumber and projects that can be exposed to the elements. When I, uh, when I built the chicken coop, most of the screws that I used for, nope, now that I think about it, all of the screws that I used to assemble the framework were blue coat screws. Um, so yeah, pressure treated lumber, projects that are gonna be exposed to the elements, things like that, you wanna go with the blue coat. And stainless, uh, which is going to be more expensive, but that's when you need something serious because the project's gonna be someplace where you know it's constantly exposed to moisture or uh, in corrosive environments. Like, you know, if you live in a, a seaside city, uh, you know, you got that salt air or whatever, you're definitely gonna wanna go for the stainless if it's gonna be outside. Now, I, I use Craig screws for almost everything for temporary projects like jigs that I'll only use once, uh, whatever, because they remain strong and they're reusable. So I can use them, put something together, when I'm done with it, pull it apart, put the screws back, we're good to go. When I'm making something that doesn't require pocket holes, I'll use them just because of their strength, the, the, uh, because of the, the washer-type flat head that pulls down on the material as opposed to trying to separate the material and the fact that I don't have to pre-drill. In fact, I just <laughs> just used a handful of the one-inch pan head screws last night to fasten some uh, quarter-inch thick, three-quarter-inch wide, um, uh, wasn't pine, 
but I can't remember. It was a softwood anyway, um, to a piece of half-inch ply as a jig. And I didn't do any pre-drilling, and none of them split. So that said, that's that's my um, <laughs> that's my info on Craig screws. Now, of course, those of you that are familiar, you know that they have you know the pocket hole systems. They have jigs. They have all kinds of fantastic equipment for woodworkers. So if you're not familiar with Craig, I'm going to highly recommend going to their website at craigtool.com, and that's spelled K-R-E-G tool.com and have a look at what they offer and the really cool part of this is not only do they have their products and tools and all, you know all the information you need but you can get free project plans there bonus <laughs> so well folks i believe that's going to wrap it up for this episode i want to thank you all so much for tuning in and giving me your valuable time and your patience now i'm still learning about this whole podcast thing i'm not sure how to get feedback yet um i'm gonna try and get that figured out but if you go to anchor.fm slash canman that's c-a-n-n-m-a-n there's a link to my instagram page where you can see the kinds of things that I do and you can drop me a note if you want to. And as far as I know right now, my podcasts are currently available on three platforms, Anchor, Pocket Cast, and Spotify. It is in process of being distributed to others like Apple and Google Podcasts, Breaker, CastBox, Overcast, and Radio Public. But from what I understand, those take some time for your very first post to to go live. So um, that said, many, many thanks to y'all again. I do hope you'll continue on this journey with me as I learn the ins and outs of this and hopefully get better in time. And until next time, grace and peace to you and yours. Thank you.